Hello and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We are your hosts, I'm Thomas Limke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown, and and we're uh, trying some new stuff today with new technology to, to record, so we'll see how the sound works out. But as I have perfect confidence in, in my Recording whiz and partner Thomas Lumpke, uh, it'll it'll come up great and well and awesome, I'm sure. Well, the the fact is, I have a backup running over here, so no matter what, we'll have the sound. Although your Skype is hiccuping already, so hopefully this new software works and and there's oh, all smooth hey. everything. All right, awesome possum. So uh, we are going through John chapter sixteen. Um, it, it may be appropriate for for you, Thomas, that we're going through chapter sixteen now because it deals with with sorrow and mourning and and as some of you may know, Thomas lives in in Oklahoma in the area around Oklahoma City, which is in mourning because Kevin Durant has left, and uh, just just terribly terribly sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care at all. <laughs> That's going to so, get me stoned on the way to work today. <laughs> There's so, the guy. So, so we both, uh, just with that nice little introduction, bored everyone who's not a sports fan, mm-hmm. and then you just insulted everyone who is a sports fan. Mm-hmm. So now that we've completely annoyed and, and antagonized all of our listeners, uh, what, right. what, what say we uh, dive into the scriptures? We are moving through John 16. And uh, last week we got through verse, I believe, uh, verse 18, where basically Jesus said, in a little while... Uh, you will see me, and then a little while you'll see me no longer, and then so on and so forth, and then you'll see me again. And the disciples have no clue what's going on. They 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 don't know. They talk back and forth. And so when we jump in at verse 19, we're going to have Jesus start to explain this. So, Thomas, would you mind starting at verse 19? Sure thing. Verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying... A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. All right. <clears throat> now, let's think about this. This is not exactly a a, uh, a chipper statement at, uh, uh, at first blush. Because mm-hmm. if I say, Thomas, you're going to weep and lament. Yeah. On your list of uh, priorities for the day, where is weeping and lamenting? I'd like to keep that somewhere towards the bottom, if possible. However, I do have a question. Are there things in your life that are weep-worthy and lament-worthy? Oh, certainly. Yeah. And if you don't deal with these, if you don't confront them, but instead try to ignore them and pretend they don't exist, what happens I guess we'll find out because that's kind of what I do. <laughs> do. Do they tend to get better or do they tend to get worse? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, worse. Uh, all right. So, I mean, th- this is what in uh, uh, some some circles today they will call a truth bomb. Well, let's deal with the, the 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 bad reality that's coming up, the thing that we don't want to deal with. So, so we're going to deal with that. Now, in particular, though, Jesus is dealing with a very specific reality. What is going to be coming up in less than 24 hours that will make the disciples weep and lament while the world rejoices? The crucifixion. 
Right. So, I mean, Jesus here is is pointing directly to the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. This is this is what what he is actually talking about. However, there is a parallel that I think can be made. Um, the idea of the Christian weeping and lamenting, but the world rejoicing, is not just a Good Friday thing. In fact, I think it, in many ways it can be the 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 standard way of describing the way we exist in this world. We're, we are God's people in a fallen, sinful world. And what is the normal attitude of the world towards God's people? Well, I mean, <laughs> there's so much. It's disdain, we'll say, surely. Disdain is a great word. When, when we are sorrowful, the world rejoices. Mm-hmm. Do not be surprised that the world hates you. This is the reality. So, so we've got two things going on here. We can almost think of, of the crucifixion as the apex, the, the, the highest manifestation of the disdain of the world for God and his people. Mm-hmm. Can, can you think of it that way? Yeah, definitely. So, so we can almost, uh, I, I'm making a little triangular pointy thing description with my hands. That's one of the problems with doing this over Skype. So I keep wanting to do like hand signals to Thomas to try and explain I talk with my hands. It doesn't work because you guys don't get to see, but but everything flows into Christ. So, I mean, we do have this. This is really about Good Friday, but there is a, a, tan, a, a tangible way that this connects to us apart from this, that, that parallels that, or at least a, that that overshadows even our own problems and trials that we have in this life. Mm-hmm. And so, but the, the stage is familiar. The, you're going to weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Don't worry though. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Continue. All right. Um, there it 21. is. Thank you. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. All right. There we get the uh, a famous analogy. Uh, Thomas, <clears throat> while you and I are both male, mm-hmm. uh, is giving birth enjoyable? Not from what I've seen <laughs> slash heard slash experienced secondhand. Right, right. Um <clears throat> Thomas and I are both fathers mm-hmm. and, and we've been around our, our, our various wives when they are each an own individual wife who has, that sounds better, <laughs> uh, who has, has, uh, given birth. And, uh, Thomas, did your beloved bride seem to enjoy the process of labor? No, very much the opposite. Neither did mine. And yet, and yet, uh, as, the, as we go and, and look at our, our, our children and such, does does your wife look at your your son and go, "You made me go through labor rah, every day at her"? No, at she him. saves that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, we're the cause of pain and anguish, but but for but but regarding the kids, there there's a a joy once once the labor has passed. There there's celebration, and, and uh-huh. while while you had that reality of of childbirth, which is incredibly painful, the the present reality of hey, look. Here's the happy little kid overshadows it. Mm-hmm. it. It shapes the way that that sorrow, that that labor is viewed. Mm-hmm. This is the analogy that Jesus makes to his death and resurrection. 
there's a reason we call it Good Friday. We we call it we we celebrate. Think about this. We celebrate the day that our children cause such pain. No time shifting the blame to my children. <laughs> that that our children cause such pain to our wives. In fact, in fact, mothers will plan out parties and jump through hoops and bake cakes on the anniversary of their great sorrow and pain. Do you, do you see how that's a, a radically shifted way of viewing that? Mm-hmm. I, I know I know. when my wife went into the hospital in labor, she wasn't baking anyone any cake. <laughs> I, but, but because things have shifted, because new life has come, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And so this is the imagery we get with, with the crucifixion. There will be sorrow and death and pain, but from that will come the resurrection. And the resurrection will so overshadow the, the horrors of Good Friday that we'll even call it Good mm-hmm. Friday. And, and likewise, this is something for us to remember. In many ways, this life that we live now is not really the entirety or scope of our life. It, it It's... It's labor pains. It, it, it's the brief time of, of going through the process of birth, but then the new life comes later. We, our, our, uh, our time here on this earth is the time of anguish and labor. And then comes the, the, the joys of the life of the world to come. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just, it really is a neat image to keep in mind. And <clears throat> I have to say it's, probably neater for for gal listeners than it is for for you and I simply because it, it is touching upon something that we can only have an idea of and never experience mm-hmm. but this is that that reality that we have in Christ that that man we have something more to look forward to even beyond the sorrows that we face now true that any thoughts on that just an agreement okay all right well, let's go on a little bit more. If you would read through uh, 24. Okay. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. All right. Once again, we get that that promise of ask. But, but again, it's not now it's asking that day and so we do get this this imagery again of asking for the right things um my my son victor who is 4 will ask for random things that are are not necessarily good for him why he's immature he hasn't quite grown up yet hasn't quite he hasn't grown up yet <laughs> he he woke up the other day and said can i have a snoopy lighter i dreamed about a snoopy lighter I have no idea what it, but it walked up. I, I dreamed about it. We should go buy one. <laughs> My little pyromaniac peanuts fan. I, I don't know. <laughs> but but he's, as he gets older, he will learn to ask for that which is good and proper. And, and so this is almost that point that Jesus is making. In the life of the world to come, after the resurrection, you will see such great things from God, and you won't ask for the stupid things of this world that cause you sorrow anymore. You will be asking only for the good and gracious things that God gives to you, and, and he will give, and you will have full joy that you cannot be, have taken away. You get that now, but then you will have it in full. Mm-hmm. You get that now in part, but then you'll have it in full. That makes sense? Yeah. All right. So 
<clears throat> we've got just a few minutes before the break. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or should we move on to the next part? Yeah, a couple of questions for you about this okay. previous section here. All right. He he keeps referencing that this concept of joy. Can you right. elaborate on the notion of joy? Is it simply a a, a feeling of glee? Is it is he talking about a, a putting a smile on your face? Put a smile on your face. I mean, what's <laughs> joy? Joy is a dishwashing detergent. Excellent. Um, um, here's how I will explain joy. It's not just happiness, but I'll put it this way. Joy is maintaining perspective in the face of anything. Okay. So when you have joy, there, there is that, that reality, that, that view of the larger picture. It's being mindful of the great truth of God and his salvation and his love for you, even in the face of whatever you see. We're, we're used to thinking in terms of, of we evaluate our life, we judge our lives on the basis of what we see going around us. We, we get the whole idea, well, if God really loved me, I would have a Mercedes Benz, right? Have more this or that or what have you. Joy is that fruit of the Spirit, that thing that the Holy Spirit brings and teaches and reminds us that whatever we see in this life, we belong to Christ. We are baptized into him. We are forgiven. And thus, we will have life everlasting on account of Christ. So does that kind of work for that distinction for for what joy is? Yep, I think that works. It's not happiness. It's not necessarily, oh, I'm so happy. And it's not, oh, good, I'm going to get persecuted today. Yay! (laughs) But it it goes often with peace. Joy and peace go together in the scriptures. Okay, cool. All right. Cool. Good. Well, we will jot off to the break and come back for the uh, Backwards Life segment then. And we're back on the Gospel Bowley podcast, and we're going to move to uh, the the backwards life segment. And, and Thomas will ask me, uh, give me a, a truism, and we'll come at it from a backwards way. But before we get to that, <clears throat> I went to a Cubs game yesterday, Thomas. Okay. And I realized I, I have an example in the Cubs and their manager, manager Joe Madden, of another ardent fan of the backwards life approach where you take a truism and and flip it around its head and do you know what the cubs motto is this year let's win please okay you think it might be let's win please or something like that (laughs) turns out this is actually something madden used last year but it it caught on this year in fact you can get t-shirts for it with joe madden's glasses and then the the phrase Uh the phrase is try not to suck Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, and normally you would think in terms of encouragement it would be go play well, son. But, but basically one of the guys got called up to the majors again last year. And, he's, and it's like any advice, ah, try not to suck. That's fair. <laughs> and it became the, it's become the motto. I, I, I was at a, a Cubs game yesterday and saw many try not to suck shirts. And I, I need to buy one myself, but Madden said of it, and this is a great quote. It is the most positive negative you've ever heard in your life. Okay. Because it, it just takes that, that all right, now go play well, and turns it on its head. It brings in a little bit of joy and levity. And so, so do you see why I appreciated the slogan? Yeah, absolutely. It, it could almost be the, the failed motto of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but this is, when, when we talk about the backwards life, we're not the only one who do this. Even the world 
knows that that it's sometimes good to look at truisms from a another angle and mm. laugh and enjoy. So what is our truism or idea for the day? The Mr. idea Lumpke? is that of giving to the poor, giving alms. Christians should contribute to, well, I mean, you can finish it yourself. Giving to the poor, I'll leave it at that. Christians need to give to the poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Now, now that is definitely a, a, a true statement, right? I mean, that's one that we should be doing, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. Ooh, now how do I want to flip that around? I will flip it around this way. Okay. Wealthy Christians need to learn to be poorer. Okay. Now, now, do you see, see the, the idea of I'm giving to the poor is I have stuff they don't. Therefore, since I'm in the better situation, I need to make sure that, that I, I, I give them some and I elevate them. Right. I can see that thought process. <clears throat> Does that, that almost make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we don't normally end up saying, oh, well, if you're poor, go give to the poor. The, the assumption, at least in American culture, is <laughs> go, go, go show kindness to the folks who aren't as well off as you. Right. One of the things that is beneficial for us as Christians is to learn of our own poverty, to mm-hmm. learn of our own lack. See, we look at, at wealth in the world and think, oh, look at all that I have and look at all that they don't have. Mm-hmm. I know I can do them a solid and help them out. When in reality, um, you know, most of the stuff that we have, we don't need. Um, I did a, a podcast with uh, Pastor Donovan Riley where we went through James and we were talking about towards James 4 and 5. He, he says, what causes wars among you? Is it not your your pleasures that you fight after? And the idea of a pleasure in a Greek is it's, it's something you don't need but you want. Okay. And how much of our lives are dominated not by our necessities but by our wants? I mean – Depends on your culture, I suppose. Depends on your... Oh, don't hem and haw, Thomas. <laughs> we live in America. True. Enough. For those of you who are listening overseas where this, where, where you're not in the richest country in the world, we're dominated by by wealth and such. And, and even as Christians, we can become trapped into the ways of thinking of the world where we define ourselves... Where we where we work ourselves ragged to death over things that are not necessary, where we get aggravated and fight over junk. We we become like the 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 parents on the day after Thanksgiving who who get into fistfights trying to get the last toy on the shelf that their kids want. Uh huh. I, I saw I that mean, movie. Th- think about that. <clears throat> Instead of that, it's not so much that we need to give to the poor because they need it. But rather, part of the reason why Christians should give to the poor is because we need to learn to give stuff away. We need to learn to put our our wants and pleasures into their place. We need to learn that that the things that I want are not the most important thing in life, but rather my my stuff, the things I have, these are all opportunities to serve. Mm-hmm. And I so so I don't know if I quite went at it backwards enough, but but 
the giving of charity isn't really just a benefit for the person who receives, but it, it's the one who gives. The, the giver will be blessed in his giving. Oh, you mean with more stuff? Like if I give, <laughs> if I give, if I give a bum five bucks, I'll get fifty bucks back from. No, no. You, you'll learn that money isn't all that important, and that you can do perfectly fine without that five dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you'll learn that you can even do fine without ten. And, and maybe you will learn to see and, and rejoice more in all the good daily bread that God gives to you, and you'll learn to, to receive with joy and thanksgiving your blessings instead of becoming slave to money and being driven by that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I will, I, will, I will make it go backwards this way. While Christians need to give to the poor, it's not for necessarily just to benefit the poor. You should give to the poor because it's good for you to give. Does that work? Yep, absolutely. Is that is that backwards enough for you? Yes. Perfect. Did did our segment suck? On no. That? Okay. No, we yeah. we, we are Cubs, the Cubs. Cubs lost yesterday, but, but it was a fun <laughs> game. I saw four home runs by the Cubs and three by the Cincinnati Reds. Had great seats. It was if if you find me on Facebook, uh I, I put up video. I, I, I had great seats, and I actually took a video of one of the Cubs players hitting a home run. Nice. I'm like, I'll take a video of his swing. Just And then he belted once. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Great timing on that. And and they lost, and my joy turned to sorrow. Oh, wait. <laughs> Which brings us full circle, too. All right. Let, let's let's dive back into the text. And uh, if you want to, uh, to start reading, I guess we're at 25. I believe that's right. So, Excellent. All right. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that uh, I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Now, just think about this for one second. <clears throat> what you have here is a picture and a description of complete and utter reconciliation. Mm-hmm. The, this is the image of the life of the world to come, where we enjoy the presence of God without fear. That, that we are there because we are we are in Christ, we're good in Christ, the Father loves us, everything is good. But Moses, the, the God is scary and he makes big flashy signs up on the mountain and we need an intermediary. It's not going to be like that anymore. I mean, this is really what, what we're doing. We're, we're, we're getting that restoration, the life of the world to come. The best image we can have of this almost is, is the image of Adam and Eve in paradise. And you have that in Genesis 3, you get God was walking the garden. Mm-hmm. And, and you note Adam hides from him. Right. It, it's not that he's caught off guard saying, God, what are you doing here? But, but apparently it was somewhat kind of a typical thing for like God to like, just kind of like mosey around and chat <laughs> up at him and such. And I mean, that, <clears throat> that that's the, what the reality is going to be that, that there will be interaction that we have with God. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, the, the day is coming. The reason Jesus says that I'm going to suffer and die and rise is to bring about forgiveness and reconciliation with the father. That, that, it's not just that I'm an intermediary between you and the Father, but that I am coming to restore you unto each other. Mm-hmm. 
That, that, that in Christ Jesus, God was restoring the world to himself. That sounds like scripture somewhere, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Indeed. So, <laughs> so, so that's the point here. This mm-hmm. is that profound thing that Jesus is saying. And what do the disciples say? Probably, probably something that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know this vision of Jesus is Joe Madden looking, talking <laughs> to the Cubs bullpen. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Go on. Go on. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. All right. This has always been one of my my favorite parts of the scriptures. Because I really have no idea what the disciples are talking about. Okay. (laughs) In in, in the sense of, oh, well, now you're not using figures of speech in your blood. Um. I, I think the parables kind of make more sense than this because, because I can't quite wrap my hands around of the idea of, Oh, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be with the father and it's going to be awesome. And, and that'll be great. The, I, I I'm not going to use parables cause we're going to be in heaven and we're all going to get stuff that, that that's good. I get that. But the idea of, Oh, now we know what you're talking about. And I think Jesus actually agrees with me. Can you read the next part? Okay. <laughs> Jesus agrees with me. That sounds terrible. I think I my, my attitude is that of is the same of Christ. <laughs> Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. All right. Oh, so now you believe. Now you think you got it, do you? Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Guess what? You, you haven't gotten it yet. You're, you're going to get scattered. You're, you're g- Guys, I hate to tell you, but the next 12 to 24 hours to actually 48, 70, they're, they're going to be terrible for you. You're, you're going to be freaking out. And you're going to think it's terrible. But I'm telling you, trust me. The Father is with me. This is this is the goal. This is what we're trying to accomplish. I've said these things to you that you in me may have peace. Again, you're, you have peace in me. There is peace. There's peace. You're going to see tribulation in the world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Even as you see my crucifixion, remember that I have taken, I, I, I've overtaken the world. I've overcome the world. I've, I've won. In fact, my victory is going to look horrific, but yet it is, in fact, my victory. So you get this beautiful, oh, you think you got it. <laughs> well, guys, I hate to tell you, I don't I don't want to burst your bubble. The whole reason why I've been telling you all this is because you're not going to get it, and you don't have it, but you will get it, so don't worry about it. So that ends up with chapter 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when we really, that finishes the discussion. And then we will end up starting chapter 17, which is known as the high priestly prayer, where Jesus goes and, and prays. Mm-hmm. So um, any any just little thoughts here to finish up chapter 16? We're <clears throat> well, as I understand it, we're still on the road to the garden. So just, just to reset the stage, at, right? At, at least on the road or on the way there or, or standing up, getting ready to go, he... They, they might be slow packers, but, but, but <laughs> okay. we're moving away from the upper room and we're moving towards Gethsemane. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. No, I just wanted to get that sense of 
place. Good. The, the hour is growing late. I'll put it that way. Excellent. Okay. Well, we will come back after the break and finish up. And we're back on the Gospel Bully podcast for one more segment before we close one up. And we're going to be moving now into John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And this is interesting for me because I know 15 and 16 rather well. Those are things that come up and you preach on them year in and year out. And then I know the passion. I know 18 really well because that's the story of the crucifixion and all that. I'll admit, Thomas... I don't spend as much time in John 17 as I do in 15, 16, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. So this will be fun. And yet it, it, it's neat. If you look at this chapter and you have your Bible where it has the words of Jesus in red, you have the half of one verse that is setting it up, and then the rest of it is red, all Jesus talking. So let's go hear what Jesus prays and see what we learn from it. Okay. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Okay, let's pause there. Okay. This is kind of weighty and meaty, isn't it? Very. All right, so the hours come to glorify your son. The moment of the crucifixion is at hand. And why? The son is going to glorify the father. He's going to show all the, the goodness and greatness of the father in giving eternal life, in seeing that people know the father, that people, oh, oh let me go look in that, that they may know you. That is verse three, that they may, that they may, now, what type of no do you think this is, Thomas? I just looked it up and double-checked. Is this the have an idea of the Father or have an experience of the Father type of language? It's, it's got to be gnosis language. It's gnosko sin. It is that 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 knowledge, that 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 experiential knowledge. So think about this. This this puts up what Jesus is doing, the glory of God. The, the way God would have himself be glorified is that we know him, that we relate him, that we experience him. In fact, this is what eternal life is. It is knowing the Father. It is having—I don't like using that language of having a relationship with God because it, <laughs> it, it makes it sound like, ooh, maybe, may, maybe, if I, maybe if I put on enough makeup, Jesus will want to date me. Right. But, but there is this idea of— we will be the creatures of God and he will be our creator and we will know each other. And that'll be an awesome thing that there's going to be this, this profound understanding and union and enjoyment that, that comes out of this. Sin breaks apart relationships. One of the, the great ways of just looking at sin, I think, is to understand that sin separates and divides. Mm-hmm. There's not a sin in the world that doesn't separate you from someone, that doesn't doesn't put up walls, that doesn't put up boundaries, that doesn't isolate you. Mm-hmm. And so what Christ is doing is that he is in forgiving, in undoing sin, he is getting rid of that 
all that stuff that separates us from God, the things that separate us from one another, that's going to be done away with. And this is the glory of God. He gets to be the creator of his creation, and his creation gets to be with him as he had created it to be. So you're, you're getting all that. that I, I, as glorious as Genesis 1 and 2 were, we're going to make it back that way mm-hmm. because that's the way it should be. Uh, any questions you have from anything in there? Not so far. All right. If you want to read through verse five. Okay. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Oh, no. Jesus has no idea of himself being God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is one of the things where where you do get just this beautiful image of, yeah, we're, we're going to put things back. We're going to restore things, that there is a, a, a restoration, that, that in Christ we see a glimpse of what is to come. Now we see dimly as in a mirror, then we will see face to face. And mm-hmm. you get this, this beautiful language of, note, glorify me in your presence. Well, of course it's going to be in his presence because there's going to be that that knowing, that experience going back. You, you don't experience and know someone at a distance. Uh, I will give an example. Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that doing the podcast separated by 800 miles is harder, but it's harder doing this podcast when we're 800 miles apart, right? Right. I yeah. mean, technology is neat. I, I, I have my nice little Skype window up with with you there and we're trying to get all the recording technology down good and all that but there's a difference between being face to face and skype i mean skype is certainly better than just the telephone or, or maybe writing letters oh we could do a blog campaign back and no 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 <laughs> i mean this is better but still it's not not that same full experiential being there right and this is what christ is pointing to i i'm returning to the presence of the father and in my going back to the presence of the Father, I'm I'm letting everyone else get into the presence of the Father as well. In fact, what is the first commandment, Thomas? Uh, honor. <laughs> I'm oh. looking over here, checking on our recording stuff, making sure everything is going well, and now I get a question. Love that. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. I question about you. What is the you first commandment? You shall have no other gods before, or you shall have no gods before me. Wow. I'm, I'm Thou shall have no other gods before me, in my face, in my presence. Presence. And again, the first commandment is going to be fulfilled, guys. Christ is doing everything that needs to be done. And thus, you you know what eternal life is? We will know the Father. We will be in his presence and there will be no other gods, no other idols. Nothing that would separate us from the Father will be around. This is what Christ is accomplishing, which is pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other thoughts there? Uh, no. All right. No. Let's go on. Okay. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. All right. Now, how do we now, in the midst of this sinful world, cling? How do we how do we get brought into? How do we get drawn into this presence of God? Well, first, 
we already belong to God. So it's not a matter of us trying to have to go find God, but rather, no, we always belong to God. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. So, so on the one hand, there's this overarching reality. We belong to God. We are, we, we are his. We are in his hand. But how is that the first uh, verb there? I have manifested. How does that, that reality that we belong to God, how does that show up in our lives? How does it become real to us now? Think about this. How is it realized? How is it made real? How is it presented to us in the present? How is it given to us so this truth that we belong to God is shown to us now? Through the word, through clinging to the word. And remember, keeping the word does not mean, oh, the word says A, B, and C, and I've done A, B, and C. I'm a good boy. But no, to keep is to cling to the word. It's in the word of God that you are brought into God's presence, that even now in this sinful world, you get to experience and know God a bit, now in part, then in full. So what happens is in the word of God, in, in preaching, in, the, in baptism, in the supper, in all these things, God is giving himself to you to, so that you know that you are with him, that he is yours and you are his, so that you know your forgiveness now, so that you are prepared uh, the, there's language of the supper of it being a, a foretaste of the feast to come. It, it's actually, it's your entryway into it. It, it, it. It's it's touching it in part now and then in full. Mm-hmm. And this is that whole idea. We receive all this by the word. And so, all right, I just kind of, I, that was kind of like happily gushing, I think, but. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, no, no, I'm going to go back to one. This is joy. Okay, okay. In the sense that this is the reality that we end up knowing and seeing by the Spirit. Even though there's tribulation in the world, there is joy because the Father is ours and we belong to the Father and we hear the word and we know and we have all this good stuff that he gives to us. That's that that that's that's joy. All right, does that track and follow? For sure. All right, let's carry on. Okay. let's see i am praying for them i am not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours all mine are yours and yours are mine and i am glorified in them and i am no longer in the world but they are in the world and i am coming to you holy father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one while i was with them i kept them in your name which you have given me I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Hey, joy came up again. Woo-hoo. Hey, look at that. But but this is that whole idea. Look, we're we're I'm not talking about the salvation of the world here. All right? You can talk about that earlier for God to love the world, but but let's get more personal. Mm -hmm. Let's cut down to, he is talking about your salvation. He's not going to talk about the forest now. Let's talk about the tree. Let's talk about about you as the individual who is baptized. This is what Christ has done for you, that, that, that you belong to the Father, and you know what? 
Jesus prays for you. We do have we, we do have an intercessor before the throne. Christ Jesus prays for us, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool thing. So now, do you have any thoughts or questions that you would want to give off of that 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 you would like me to speak to? This concept of what is Christ's is the Father's, and vice versa. Certainly, I mean, you could look at that from the perspective of well, Christ is God the Son, the Father is God the Father. Is there anything deeper you can dig into along that those lines? Beyond that, that you know, basic Trinitarian fact, or maybe a different spin on it that you would put. I would say, and I'd play this off of, uh, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Mm-hmm. The idea. This is why sometimes. Okay, as I just I used uh, the foretaste of the feast to come positively. Here's where it can get the negative, or, or the the place where that can be less than full. Okay, it's not that we are getting a booby prize now, but then we'll get something good. No, no, we're getting the fullness of salvation now. We have everlasting life now. We 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 get everything that is God in Christ Jesus. It's just now we don't quite see it all. Now we don't. Now it, it's not well. Think about it. Now we see the dear. Now we see as in a mirror dimly, then face to face. We still see now, but we're gonna get more. So what you have here is you have these these levels here. This movement where it's look here we have they have everything now. They're gonna see it even more. It's it's a now not yet. It's a uh the fullness now, but an even fuller understanding and realization of that fullness to come. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there, there, it's not as though, well, we, we only get the, the son share now, but then we're going to get the, the dad share. Okay. Now, now, now we only get the little goat to share with our friends, but then we get the real part. No, no, no. We have everything now because we have Christ now, but we're going to see it's good now. It's better than it, cool. it, it's fuller now or more to the point. It's good now, but we are so distracted by sin that we do not see it. But we are forgiven by Christ, and we shall see it without distraction in the life of the world to come. That worked? That works. All right. Well, let's pause here. Yeah, I agree. We're cutting off Jesus in the middle of a prayer, man. It's not good. It's okay. (laughs) We'll we'll carry on. Okay. He'll keep praying for us between now and then. He will keep praying for you between now and then, for you belong to him, and he is your Lord, and you are forgiven and have life in his name. All right? All right. Later, folks. Yes. Yes.